Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see you all as we gather for worship on uh, this Lord's Day. I'm very happy to see you, to uh, gather with you, and to see your faces this morning. Uh, if you're uh, visiting with us here at our church, Providence, we uh, would like to welcome you to Providence Presbyterian Church. We do hope uh, you are blessed this morning, that you are warmly received by uh, our congregation. Uh, before we begin our service of worship, we do have uh, a few announcements. Um, the session is pleased to announce that uh, we have approved Jeff and Denise Rains for membership at Providence, and so uh, we will receive them in a, in a worship service uh, very, very soon. Uh, also, our ladies' Bible study uh, is scheduled to meet this Tuesday, December 12th at 10 a.m. Uh, if you have any questions about that, please feel uh, free to ask Linda Nelson. Uh, that's this Tuesday. Uh, also, uh, another reminder, our annual congregational meeting is on Saturday, January 27th, and so this is probably going to stay in the bulletin until this happens, and the reason is we would, we would like to encourage you, if you're a member of our church, to attend our congregational meeting. That's uh, January 27th, that's Saturday. Uh, we usually begin at 9 a.m., and it usually lasts uh, for just a couple of hours. Um, and so please mark that on your calendar, uh, if you will. Uh, also, uh, just looking ahead, there will be no Sunday school. Uh, December 24th, that's Christmas Eve, and uh, December 31st, that's uh, New Year's Eve. And so we usually take a break to give our teachers a break uh, from Sunday school. Well, this is that break, and so just be prepared for that. We'll, have, uh, we'll of course, remind you of this. So no, no Sunday school, uh, December 24th and the 31st. And uh, do please continue to pray for our uh, Sunday school teachers. Uh, we are approaching the Christmas season. Unfortunately, our Christmas banquet is behind us. We've already uh, had that, otherwise we would invite you to that. There will be one next year. And so uh, in light of the banquet, we would like to just uh, mention once again uh, that it went off swimmingly well and uh, very, a lot of fun. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone who was involved in putting that together. So thank you all very much. From, uh, that is from the session. We'd like to thank you all very much for putting the, uh, the Christmas banquet together. It's always a an encouragement uh, to the church uh, to get together and, um, and to do that. Uh, so thank you all uh, very much. Uh, lastly, uh, I would like to uh, just uh, throw this out there. If you're a new member, if you've become a new member in the last few months or a year or so, uh, if you're not receiving our emails, we have three email lists. If you're not getting all of them, members, we have a prayer list, we have an announce list, um, please let me know and we can fix that for you. Also, if you're not receiving our magazine, the New Horizons magazine, please come talk to me. Uh, I'll, we, we will make sure that, that, that those things get done for you if you're a member. And so uh, uh, we'd like to help you with that. Uh, please keep on your minds and your hearts the various prayer requests that are listed there in the insert in your bulletin this week. Our family of uh, the week is uh, David Capella. So please uh, pray uh, for David this week. And also please continue to play, pray for Mickey Crawford. Uh, she was dealing with uh, an infection, a virus that was affecting her lungs. And she was having trouble breathing earlier this week. It, it was quite scary for Jim and Mickey uh, in the beginning. But she is home now. She does have oxygen with her. But do uh, please pray for her recovery and pray for her continued care. And we give thanks to God for for sparing her, for sustaining, sustaining her. Uh, and one last thing is uh, this, and this is something that I think we could do well to improve on as the, and the, as the months go on ahead. But we'd like to mention that Kylie Canode graduated from uh, college yesterday, and so I know we have several college graduates um, uh, throughout, the, throughout the year, December and May. We've got some others coming uh, forward. We need to do a better job of mentioning them and praying for them. And so, uh, might as well start with my own daughter. So, <laughs> um, uh, so congratulations to Kylie. Uh, we'll certainly pray for her and uh, for her future. And pray for our other students as well as they approach uh, that same milestone. Well, friends, I uh, believe that takes care of all the announcements we have gathered here in the name of Christ to worship the only true and living God. As the music plays now, let us prepare our hearts to worship him.
To the saints of Providence Presbyterian Church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would now please stand as we hear God call us to worship him from Revelation chapter 5. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Let us now sing the doxology. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice, O God, is like the great deep. O Lord, our God, how priceless is your steadfast love. We pray, O Lord, that we would feed on the abundance of your house, and we pray, O God, that you would give us drink from the river of your delights to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Forgive us of our sins, we pray, O God, as we draw near to you, for we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you would now turn in your hymnals to hymn 319, O Come All Ye Faithful, hymn 319.
Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite you now to turn to the front of your Trinity hymnal on page Roman numeral 16. Page Roman numeral 16, at the front of your hymnal, you will find a list of the Ten Commandments, which we will recite out loud together uh, this morning. As we do so, friends, let us be mindful of all the ways in which we fall short of God's glory. Let us flee to Jesus Christ and find mercy and forgiveness in Him alone. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Well, beloved, having heard God's law, now let us confess our sins to God together by reciting the prayer of confession that is listed in the insert in your bulletin. I, a poor sinner, confess to you, O Almighty, Eternal, Merciful God and Father, that I have sinned in manifold ways against you and your commandments. I confess that I have not believed in you, my one God and Father, but have put my faith and trust more in creatures than in you, my God and Creator, because I feared them more than you. And for their benefit and pleasure, I have broken your law. Therefore, I beseech you, O Heavenly Father, that you would graciously forgive me these and all my sins. Keep and preserve me henceforth, that I may walk in your way and live according to your will. And all of this through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, our Savior. Amen. O beloved, for all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The scripture gives us assurance that our sins have been forgiven. And the reading of the confession of sin, the prayer of confession each week, is not a trite exercise. It is one in which God, our God, our Savior, hears us and answers us. And he gives us assurance in his word that that answer is good, that your sins have been forgiven. As we see in the Gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 1, And speaking of the birth of Jesus Christ, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, 
the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. If you would now turn in your hymnals to hymn 293, O come, O come, Emmanuel, hymn 293, and let's all stand together as we sing. seated. We'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Uh, This morning we are going to consider Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 11. Our focus for today will be uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 11. I would, uh, uh, however, like to begin the reading in verse uh, 7. Next week, Lord willing, we will pick up the pace. Uh, We'll look at uh, several verses, a couple verses next next week. Uh, But today we'll look at one verse, uh, verse 11, uh, beginning uh, beginning the reading in verse uh, 7. Before we hear God's word, if you would, 
Uh, friends, join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we rejoice that Emmanuel has come, God with us, Jesus Christ, was found in human vesture, that that same human flesh might be broken uh, to bring us life and peace in him. So we thank you and praise you, O Lord, and we do rejoice this day that you have come to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that he reigns from on high. We do pray, Father, that as we hear your word read and as we hear the gospel proclaimed, that you would repel the path of misery before us, that you would lighten our path and give light to our hearts and our souls and encourage us in the scriptures, we pray. We ask that you would do this good work in your people, for we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, beloved, this is the word of God. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord remains forever. It is a given reality that as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you will suffer. The sanctification process is marked by pain. We looked at, we considered sanctification last week. That sanctification process is marked by pain. Walking by faith down the narrow path of suffering, Jesus has called us to. That is the path that all of us are on as Christians. Verse 10, that we may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so you will suffer as a Christian. But our suffering, friends, is not without purpose. It is not meaningless suffering. There is a goal. There is an end that we look forward to in our present suffering. And this is what we're going to look at in this verse, in verse 11. And so far, we have looked at the benefits that we receive by virtue of our faith union with Christ. We have been given the gift of faith. We believe in Christ. If you are a believer, that is, this is true for you. You have been given the gift of faith to believe in Christ. You trust in him. You have gained Christ, as Paul has said in this section. And because we have gained Christ by faith, we enjoy certain benefits in him. We enjoy acceptance with God, being adopted into his family. And so by faith, we are justified. That is part of what it means to be justified. We are declared innocent and righteous, and so therefore we are able to be accepted into his holy kingdom. This is only because of what, a, what Christ has done. We do not have a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness that comes from God, that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And so we are justified, not only this, but we are also sanctified. Our nature is changed. We have a new heart. We now want to, know more, want to know Christ more and more. This is truly our desire, deep down. Even though we still fight against sin, deep down we want what Paul wants. We want to know Christ more and more. We want to know more of the power of his resurrection, have more of the fellowship in his sufferings, be more and more enabled to die to sin and to live unto righteousness. That's sanctification. In a word, in sanctification, we are made more like Christ. Now this process, as we already discussed last time, this process of sanctification lasts our entire lives as Christians. And it's a process that is unequal in each of us. We are all equally declared innocent. We are all equally declared righteous. But in sanctification, there's different levels there's peaks and valleys. Our obedience to Christ is better at times than at others. We mature in the faith. And, it's a, and it is a process, of course, 
that is filled with pain to one degree or another. Now, there's much joy in Christ, to be sure, friends. We rejoice in the Lord. We have joy in the Lord. But this joy that is always with us, this joy that we have, that Paul always had, it does not deny the existence and the experience of spiritual and physical suffering as a Christian. We become like him in his death. We suffer. We feel pain. If our Savior took up his cross on his march towards being crucified on that cross and dying, we too must take up our cross. That cross is the very means of our death. We take it up willingly, joyfully. But this suffering, friends, this carrying our cross as Jesus did, as Jesus did and as we do in this life, this is something that will not last forever. It is temporary. Ours is a temporary suffering. As Paul said in Romans 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, meaning they won't last forever, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now what is that glory? What is the glory that's to be revealed in the future? It's found here. Resurrection from the dead. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's the glory we're looking forward to. That Paul was looking forward to. The redemption of our bodies. The redemption of our bodies and enjoyment of God in Christ in spirit-filled resurrection glory. That's what this phrase refers to. The resurrection from the dead. And so there is an end, friends, to your suffering. There is a purpose, the resurrection from the dead. And along that path of misery that you are on, that we are all on, you are being shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. And so, again, the suffering is not without a purpose, and it's not forever. It's not, it will not last forever. Now, certainly, if we die before the Lord returns, our spirit will go to be with Christ, which, as Paul said earlier in this letter, is far better. If we die, our spirit departs this body to go to be with the Lord, which is far better. There is no pain there. In your spirit, you will not feel pain. You will be purified, sanctified in your spirit, enjoying Christ in heaven. That is where our departed saints are currently today, with Jesus Christ in their spirit, in heaven. There's certainly no pain there, but that is not our ultimate and final destiny. Simply to be with God in our spirit, as wonderful as that is. Our bodies need to be healed. Now, some of us know that better than others. are more intimate with that knowledge that our physical bodies need to be healed, so that we might enjoy God in both body and soul. And so this verse deals with just that, our glorification at the end of the age. And so you have the benefits of Christ as they are spelled out in our our catechism, the shorter catechism. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. That's, we're dealing with glorification today. Now, verse 11 is tied to verse 10, in a way, which deals with our sanctification. Paul considers all things lost, that he may gain Christ and know him, that he might know the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain something. And so the, the verses are connected. I do this so that I might attain this other thing. I go through this so that I might experience this future thing. That's the connection between verse 10 and 11. I die, I'm conformed into the image of Christ, into the image of Jesus Christ, and conformed into his death so that I might live resurrection from the dead. You see the connection there. Now, Jesus said something similar in his ministry when he said, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. We die to live. That's essentially what Paul is saying in these two verses. Paul also 
says the same thing. He says, we are heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. He says that in Romans. And so our daily cross-bearing friends, uh, we need to keep this in mind, our daily cross-bearing is, for sure, a march towards death. That cross is the means by which you will die. You are crucified to the world, as Jesus was. He carried the very thing that would kill him, the cross. And so our daily cross-bearing is a march towards death, but in this march towards death, we are also moving closer and closer to life, resurrection life, resurrection from the dead. That is the path we are all on. Now, what happens at the resurrection from the dead? Well, Paul mentions this again uh, later, uh, which hopefully we will be able to look look at uh, very soon. In verse 21 of this chapter, he says, Jesus, uh, when he returns, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That's what happens for believers at the resurrection from the dead. Now, right now, part of the suffering that we endure as Christians is spiritual. Paul, when talking about uh, Epaphroditus, he said that he sent Epaphroditus uh, back to the Philippians so that the Philippians could rejoice at seeing him and so that Paul would be less anxious. Paul also was anxious about the state of the church and about their worry of Epaphroditus. He also talked there about having sorrow upon sorrow if his beloved friend Epaphroditus, if he would have died... He would have experienced a sorrow on top of another sorrow. Anxiety, sorrow, fear, doubt, temptation, heartbreak. These are all experiences that we go through as Christians that we feel primarily in our souls, in our spirit, in our inner person. Now sometimes, of course, those spiritual effects have or that spiritual suffering has physical effects. We shed tears, for example, over the loss of our loved ones. We lose weight because of spiritual depression. Sometimes the physical suffering is so profound that it affects our spiritual state. And so there's a relationship between the two, physical suffering and spiritual suffering. Grief, sorrow, vexation from broken bones surgeries, being close to death, contemplating death. Our bodies presently, just in their broken state that they are, they are susceptible to deformities, to brokenness, to disease, to sickness, pain, and death. And it is this way because of the effects of Adam's sin. And those things cause us spiritual suffering. We feel spiritual anxiety and spiritual sorrow as a result of some of these physical ailments. And so part of our suffering is spiritual, is primarily spiritual, and part is physical, and the two are always very closely related. We suffer as a result of broken bones, broken bodies, the prospect of death, and yet where does that suffering take place? In our physical bodies, yes, but also in our hearts. Our hearts are broken. That's why we say that. My heart is broken. But at the resurrection of the dead, for the Christian friends, our physical bodies will be healed. Our physical bodies will be glorified and reunited with our souls. Though our physical bodies return to the dust at death for a time, that is true. They are sown in weakness. That is what happens when we die. Our physical bodies are buried and they see corruption for a time. So they are there temporarily. They are sown in weakness, as Paul said. But when Jesus comes, the second coming, when he comes again, these same bodies that you have for believers presently will be raised in power. They will be transformed, glorified. These bodies that we have today will no longer be susceptible to death as they are today. We will never die. That is what happens at the resurrection from the dead. All the physical ailments we endured here will be forever healed then at the resurrection 
from the dead. They will be past, never to return, never to be experienced again. Epaphroditus almost died from a sickness, a physical ailment. Paul, later, the Apostle Paul, he would eventually be martyred for his faith. He would die. At the resurrection of the dead, none of that will ever happen again. At the resurrection of the dead, Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes permanently. Now, of course, this is true for believers, for unbelievers who remain in their sin when Jesus comes again. The destination will be quite different. It will be a different type of resurrection. But for the believer, as Paul says here, we will be raised from the dead to be with Jesus forever. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes permanently. Then, he does it now for sure. He comforts us now by his word for sure. When we shed tears, when our hearts are broken, when our bodies are broken, he often gives us healing. He sustains our bodies, and sometimes he doesn't. Some of us have permanent physical ailments we must deal with for the rest of our lives. Some of our children, even. When Jesus comes again, that will be permanent history. We will no longer experience those things. And so again, friends, becoming like him in his death, carrying our crosses daily as we do now, is temporary. It's a temporary experience for us. We suffer, but we suffer unto glory. We suffer unto a goal, a purpose. Now, this is something we as believers will experience, not because of what we do, ultimately, or have done. The resurrection of the dead, for us, will come because of the power of his resurrection, Christ's resurrection, which Paul just mentioned. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, Part of that power is at work in you today, in your inner person, and the rest of that power will will be revealed when he comes again, when the same power will be at work to reconstitute your physical body and make it glorified. That is what will happen at the end of the age. Now, the permanent healing of our bodies, friends, is wonderful, It's something great to look forward to. And that is what will take place. We will be permanently and forever physically and spiritually healed of all maladies, of all disabilities, of all diseases. If you've ever had some pain or sickness and the doctors tell you that a certain surgery will definitely alleviate that pain or will definitely heal the sickness, what happens? Well, you look forward to the day of the surgery because... You don't necessarily look forward to be being opened up, but you look forward to being healed, for the pain to be gone, for the sickness to be healed. But the resurrection of the dead, friends, is not just about the healing of our bodies, as wonderful as that, as that is. The resurrection of the dead for believers is about the final permanent healing of our bodies, reunited with perfect souls, glorified souls, so that we might know Christ in those bodies and enjoy him. That is why we look forward to that day. Not simply because that pain that you've lived with for years, or the pain, the brokenness that your children have gone through, or the depression you suffer with, or the anxiety that disables you at times, or the vexation that you feel as a result of physical pain, that'll be gone for sure, but it's not just that. It's so that in those glorified bodies we might enjoy Christ all the more. Do not those maladies often create roadblocks for us in enjoying Christ and knowing Him? They do. Sometimes they do. But that will not happen then at the resurrection from the dead. Now this verse, it comes in the context of Paul expressing his desire to know Christ. Later he connects the resurrection from the dead with the appearance of Jesus. He says, we wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies. Consider also how many times Paul references Christ in this larger section. In verse 3 he says, we glory in Christ. 
He speaks about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Verse 8, I gain Christ. Verse 8, I want to be found in Christ. Verse 9, I want to know Christ and the power of Christ's resurrection. I want to share in Christ's sufferings. I want to become like Christ in his death. And then all of this that he might be led to the resurrection from the dead caused by Christ at the return of Christ to be with Christ. You see that? Do you see the emphasis there? That is what we're looking forward to. We enjoy him now for sure, but we will enjoy him in a far greater way then at the resurrection from the dead. For Paul, his whole life was about knowing Christ more and more in the inner person while alive until he could know Christ in a glorified body at the resurrection from the dead. That's, that's Paul in a nutshell. I want to know Christ while I'm alive until the Lord comes when I can know Christ when I'm raised from the dead. Now, last thing I want to... Uh, well, second to last thing, sorry. <laughs> there's, uh, there's another small thing. Last, second to last thing I want us to look at is the way in which Paul states this hope of glorification. I'll, I'll, I'll be brief. Uh, verse 11, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Interesting way to put this, is it not? So that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so he says it as if, or in a way that seems to communicate reaching the resurrection from the dead might not happen. It's a possibility. If you were wanting to visit a friend on Friday, but you had lots of work to do before so that you could go visit that person on Friday before traveling to see them, you might say something like this. I, by any means possible, I hope to get to your place on Saturday. Meaning, it might not happen. It might just... I might just find out that there's too much work and I won't make it. Now, we need to be clear here. That's, that's the way Paul has structured this. Now, we need to be clear here that for Paul, based on his other words and on his other writings, he was not claiming here that resurrection glory for the believer might not happen. That is not what he is saying. He's not saying this as if he's earning resurrection from the dead. If that was true... If that is true, that we earn resurrection from the dead by what we ultimately do, then this verse, verse 11, would completely overthrow everything we've just looked at before this. Believers have a righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness from God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ that guarantees salvation, that guarantees this also, resurrection from the dead. Paul said in chapter 1, I am sure of this, that he, that is God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What will happen at the day of Jesus Christ? Resurrection from the dead. Chapter 1, Paul does not say, God, who began a good work in you, may bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Or he might bring it to completion, depending on, upon what you do or don't do at the day of Jesus Christ. That is not what he said. He will finish the work. Jesus will transform our bodies to be like his glorious body. Paul, along with the rest of Scripture, though, uh, or Paul, along with the rest of Scripture, as from these verses that we just read, is deeply concerned with giving hearers the assurance of salvation. That is what, that is what we all long to have, is it not? That God will save us, that I can trust him. And that is what scripture gives us, a certainty. This will take place for you. You will be transformed at the end of the age. The false teachers that had threatened this community, that they give no assurance because they give a salvation by works. And that is, that is what you will get outside of the Christian message. The true Christian message is a salvation by works. And it can offer you no hope, no assurance. You will never know if you've done enough. You will never know if you've been good enough. That is not what the gospel proclaims. Our resurrection glory is guaranteed. Christ was raised, you will be raised. But Paul also did not want his hearers to become complacent. He does not want his hearers to become idle or lazy, thinking that they've already become perfect. And of course, we'll look at this in the next section in a way that this verse prepares us for the next section. We are not made perfect. We have not yet reached 
that end goal. None of us will achieve perfection in this life. Though our salvation is assured, we we must fight each day of our lives. We must scratch and claw our way towards the finish line, resurrection from the dead. I think that's what Paul had in mind here. It's not always pretty, in other words, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I I don't always want to know Christ. I don't always consider all things lost. Things get in the way. Suffering gets in the way, and it blurs my vision of what the ultimate goal is for the Christian. But deep down, this is who we are, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so, friends, for you this morning, this is where you are headed for sure. And so don't give up. Don't give up. Your resurrection glory is assured By any means possible, we all together will attain the resurrection from the dead. Finally, the real finally, whatever it is you need to do today, by God's grace, to reorient your mind towards this, whatever it is that you need to consider as loss for the sake of Christ, whatever it is that you need to loosen your grip on, that you may gain Christ and be found in him. Do that. That's another message we get from these verses. In fact, let us all do this together so that we too, like Paul, may, by any means possible, attain the resurrection from the dead. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forever. Let's pray together, friends. Our most merciful and compassionate God in heaven who has shown us infinite mercy in His Son, Jesus Christ. We thank You, O God. We respond to Your gracious gift of salvation with rejoicing and by praising You and with thanksgiving. Father, we do pray that You would be at work inside of us, in our inner person, as that the power of Christ's resurrection is already at work within us as believers, and yet... We look forward to the day when our bodies will be healed. Father, we do pray that by the power of your word and your spirit at work in your people, that you would reorient our minds towards this goal, the resurrection from the dead, that this ultimate end for every believer would shape who we are today and would shape how we not only love you, but we love one another. And so we pray that you would do this good work in your people to the praise of your glory. Father, we lift up to you now the nations of the world and our own nation. We thank you for our civil leaders and for the civil leaders that you've raised up. We pray that even as wicked rulers rule in certain areas of the world, that you would accomplish all things in accordance with your will. We pray, Lord, that you would dispose all things to your glory and that you would give grace, much grace, uh, to these nations that suffer in uh, various ways as a result of oppressive and tyrannical Uh, authority figures and uh, persecution. We pray especially for the churches in these regions. We lift up to you the church in Ukraine, the church in Haiti and other places. We pray that you would strengthen them by the gospel. And we pray, Father, that closed doors um, that exist in nations today would be opened in accordance with your will. We pray, uh, Father, that uh, you would be with our missionaries whom you've sent out. As we lift up to you this morning the Foltas who are serving in Asia, we pray that you would protect them and cause them to know uh, more and more of Christ. And as they share in his sufferings, we pray, Father, that you would give them hope and uh, the resurrection from the dead and glorification. Father, use them for your wise purposes in this land. Father, we pray for uh, our own civil leaders here. We ask that you would be merciful to them and gracious. Uh, Father, accomplish your will uh, in our nation. We pray that the gospel would, have, would go forth in much power here as lost sinners are converted and as the saints are build up, built up. We pray for the work of home missions in our own denomination and asking that you would bless Pastor Sumter and our church plants. We pray for new church plants for the faithful churches in this city that proclaim your name week in and week out. Father, give us all grace that we might Uh, Do all things in accordance with your will. 
Father, we lift up to you uh, the needs of our church. We thank you for Providence Presbyterian Church and for your faithfulness over the years. We ask, Father, that uh, you would continue to rain down your blessings upon us and to grant us persevering faith in Jesus Christ and provide for all of our needs. Continue, Lord, to draw people by the power of your Spirit to the preaching of the gospel and uh, to uh, the building up that comes from the teaching of the word here at Providence and build the saints up here, we pray. Father, we lift up to you especially those who suffer uh, from various ailments as we think of those who suffer from physical diseases and um, uh, mental disabilities and physical disabilities and for those who suffer in body and soul in all various types of ways that you would remind them of the temporary nature of our suffering that we have a goal ahead of us that is glorious in Jesus Christ. In this regard, we think of and pray for uh, Jim Witt and William Scott and John Burleson, who also face cancer. We pray for Dorothy, Kay, Joyce, Jean, Hal, Alan, Cornelia, Cornelia Corey's mother, Hikari, Rosalie, for the Broccolo family. We pray, for, we pray for Iona, Claire, Diane, Jerry and Kyle and Linda. We lift up to you as well, Mickey and Jim. Father, grant them grace, sustaining grace, to persevere through their trials and continue to shape them in the image of Christ and give them hope in the gospel. Father, we pray uh, for our expectant mothers. We thank you for the child growing in Amanda uh, Potts' womb. We pray, Father, that you would bless her and keep her and the baby safe and provide for all of their needs. Father, wipe away all the tears from the eyes of the Milams and the Johnsons and the Vanderleys and the Doobies. Father, we lift up to you the Acorafors, they look for a home. We, we thank you for our students and uh, for our college students and those who have graduated before us. We pray uh, before this time, we pray that you would bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them and lead them in the path of righteousness. We lift up to you Kylie Canode in this regard and we pray that you would bless her and uh, may she commit her future into your hands. And Father, we pray for others who are heading towards this milestone that you would give them persevering strength, to finish strong, to bring you glory. Father, we lift up to you this morning, David Capella. We thank you for the faith that you've given him and for his gifts and graces. We thank you, Father, that you are leading him by your spirit. You continue to conform him into the image of Christ. Father, provide for all of his, all of his needs and encourage him in the faith as he um, prepares uh, to be presented as a deacon at this church. We pray that you would continue to shape him into a godly uh, leader and godly man in Jesus Christ. And Father, fill our hearts with compassion that we would uh, continually pray for him and meet his needs as they arise. Father, we thank you that you hear and answer our prayers. We ask you, O oh Lord, that you um, would respond to our prayers with your grace, your mercy. May all, done, may all things be done in accordance with your will. For we lift this all up to you through Jesus our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, beloved, we now have the wonderful opportunity to give to the work of the advancement of Christ's kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ. Be pleased to use our sacrifices for his wise ends. Amen.
you would now turn in your uh, Trinity hymnal to page 851, if you need to do so, there you will find the Apostles' Creed, which we will profess together as a confession of our faith in the gospel. And let's all stand together as we do so, friends. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. If you would now turn to our final hymn, hymn 301, the Song of Mary, hymn 301. Amen. Friends of God, receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.